Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 21 We walked back to my car in silence. The world failed entirely to collapse on us as we made our retreat. We discovered no corpses, not even a little one. We were neither arrested nor detained. In fact, the only police car we saw was headed quickly in the opposite direction, though in all fairness, it may have finally been responding to a small disturbance we had at least helped to cause back at Hap Spencer's bar. By the time I unlocked the doors of the heap and we piled in, the evening seemed to have lost a little steam. I started the engine and pulled away from the curb. The city sky was as black as it ever seemed to get, and the lights of the passing shops blinked through the windows as we drove. Trixie shifted uncomfortably in her seat. I wondered if she was working up to some revelation, or if the little hidden piece she wore was chafing her. Well, she said at last. I waited a moment to see if there was more. There did not seem to be. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah, she said. We drove in silence for another minute. This was fun and all, she said at last, but I'm not sure it's going anywhere. There didn't seem to be anything to say to that, so I didn't. Well, she asked a moment later, proving that I had once again misread the situation. I hadn't worked with anyone since old Tom packed it in after the war, and he and I never talked all that much. Maybe that was because we had worked together for so many years. Maybe it was just because neither of us was a leggy blonde or any other sort of girl detective. Well, what? I shrugged. You don't have any opinion on that, she asked. I thought about it for a minute. I'm not sure I remember what the question was, I said. You really are the original horse's ass, aren't you? She asked. I grinned. It took you this long to notice, I asked. In my defense, she said, I did try to kill you right after we met. If that was trying to kill me, I said, you're a lousy shot. Oh, clam up, jackass, she said. A twenty-two isn't for serious work. No, it isn't, I said. Where are we going, she asked. I'm driving you home, I said. How do you know where I live, she asked, mildly horrified. You aren't serious, I said. Gosh, it's almost like there was some sort of published directory of addresses and telephone numbers. Okay, shut up, she said. How many Trixie Dixons do you think there are, anyway, I asked. I said shut up, she said. If you hadn't showed up at my office, I did have a plan B, you know. This statement got a little more attention than I had intended it to. Really, she asked, and what would that have been? I just mean that I knew where you could be found, I said, in office hours and otherwise. Keep in mind, I'd been hired to find a blackmailer, and I thought that it was you. Well, that was a pretty stupid thing to think, she snorted. Yeah, you're right, I said. Girl setting up a camera from the same window from which certain candid shots of my client and his mistress had been taken couldn't be who I was looking for at all. We drove in silence for another minute. She had to be in on it, Trixie muttered. In on what, I asked, the blackmail? Sure, the blackmail, Trixie said. A girl who looks like that is used to having eyes on her every moment of every day. No way she forgets to close those blinds. Heat a passion, I asked. For Roger Mayfield, she asked, with both eyebrows arched at once, which I didn't even know was possible. Yeah, see, this is what I thought, I said, turning left onto Grange. But if Janet Timms was playing cozy with Roger Mayfield because Rosetti asked her to, or told her to, why would she get Jimmy Lish involved, she protested. Why take that kind of risk? Maybe Lish didn't exactly ask, I said. Maybe he just told. Maybe Janet Timms had a little trouble saying no to a man who used to have a hold over her. Maybe he still did have a hold over her, Trixie said. Lish's files? Think he had a couple of hundred pictures she'd rather the world didn't see? Wasn't a bad thought. 
I guess we'll never know now. Yeah, she agreed. There was another moment of silence. But still, what would make Mayfield a target for blackmail? Trixie said with a shake of her head. He's important if you care where the expressway goes. If you don't, he's nothing. Was there any money? I asked. She shook her head. It was all the wife's. Neither one of us had anything to say about that for a minute. The traffic coming off Clinton was heavy for this time of night. Maybe she didn't know that, I offered. Maybe all she knew is that Big Al asked her to spend some time keeping Mayfield happy. She didn't know what he'd done to deserve it, but figured there must be some action there somewhere, so she calls Lish and tries to cut herself a piece. Trixie scowled. My big problem with that is that it casts her as the villain who deserved what she got, she said. How about Rosetti forced her to sleep with Mayfield, and Lish forced her to let him document the occasion, and then somebody killed her for being in the middle? How about that? I nodded. It still sings, I said. Though my big problem with that is it casts her as the helpless victim, a plaything and pawn in a world of cunning and guileful men. Trixie nodded. It kind of does, doesn't it? The truth is probably somewhere in the vastness between the two, I said. So what now, she asked. I thought about it for a minute. I'm not sure this is going anywhere, I said. You jackass, she hissed. I said that five minutes ago. I know, I said. I was agreeing with you. Oh, she said. I mean, there's pretty clearly something shifty going on in Riverton, I said, but I'm not sure it's illegal. It probably is if there's a proven link between Mayfield and Rossetti, Trixie said. Yeah, probably, I agreed. Bearing in mind that's not the kind of detective work that we're very good at. You mean there's a kind you are very good at, she asked? Were you planning on ever doing some of it? Shut up, I said. That's not detecting, that's accounting. The cops and the DA, they have guys for that. They have ever since they got Capone for tax evasion. You aren't going to wax all nostalgic for the good old days, are you, flat top speakeasies and such? I keep saying, shut up, I said, and you keep not shutting up at all. I'm funny that way, she said. My point is, that's not what we do, I said. We can't subpoena bank records and things like that, and I doubt very much we'd find anyone downtown willing to try. Which you are basing on the fact that there are forces up high that just got Sabian to kill a story that might have put me out of business, I said. They must have laid it on pretty thick if they put a scare into that big boy. Trixie nodded. See, this is kind of my point, she said. What is? I picked up the thread. The fact that the dogs are unlikely to be called off in the next few weeks? What with the federal money set to flow and the final vote on the route coming up? City Hall will keep the pressure up, and Rossetti will keep the pressure up, and that means that Mike Rogers will never get to write our little Mutton Jeff story. I hate it when people finish my thoughts, she said, especially when I don't like them very much. I nodded. That must be very annoying, I agreed. But I'm right, yes? Yes, she said. And not to be practical about this, but neither of us is exactly employed right now. And we're not going to stumble over a fee in the middle of this mess. True, I said. And if somebody offered me a straight fee to get in the middle of a business deal that Al Rossetti has been setting up for years, I'm not sure they make a retainer big enough for that one. Yeah, she agreed. We drove another six blocks in silence. I feel bad about Janet Timms, she said. I feel like we're abandoning her. I never met her, I said. I saw a photograph that she'd rather I didn't, and I saw her cross the street one time. So you don't feel bad, she asked? Sure I do, I said. Good, Trixie said with a smile. I'd hate to think I was the only sucker in town. I laughed. What about Jimmy Lish, I asked. He was a blackmailer and a pornographer, she said. Does that mean he deserved it, I asked. I don't know, she shrugged. But it means he didn't have a right to be real surprised. And it means that I don't give much of a damn. Do you think that some people deserve it? I asked. Yes, she said after a moment. Do you? 
Yes, I said, but that's not really my job. Not anymore. She didn't say anything to that, and I was glad. Worst case scenario, she asked. I shrugged. I can tip off Mike Rogers that we have a swell line if the story ever does break, I said. I won't tell him anything unless I get the word. Then he'll have gangsters, politicians, civil servants, pornographers, and fallen women to write about. To say nothing of millions of taxpayer dollars going to the pockets of one of the most notorious criminals in the city. There won't be any room for you or me in that story. She nodded. So that's it then, she said. I nodded. I guess so, I said. We drove another minute in silence. I turned right onto Oakwood and stopped in front of her building. Well, she said, it made for an interesting change from divorce work. I nodded. I'll bet it did, I said. Well, Blackjack, this was fun, she said, opening the door. Let's not do it again, okay? And then she was gone. Thank you for listening to Thursday Thrillers right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase bringing you the very newest in audio releases from our United Artists of Audio right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network, where we listen and imagine together.